0: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk today about religious ideology, so therefore we're going to talk about religion, therefore we're going to talk about religious beliefs, therefore we're going to talk about government, because government is a religious belief. It is a religious ideology it is what you believe will save you, help you, keep ordering your society. All these ideas are religious in nature, and you invent institutions in order to accomplish that. Uh, it was always interesting to me when I was reading about Augustus Caesar after the Roman Civil War that established the first emperor the first originator of God. That's one of the titles that Augustus wanted, originator of God, apotheos. And uh, he also wanted to be the president of Rome, principale civica, the chief executive officer of Rome. So he got all three offices, imperator, commander-in-chief, uh, appointer of God, and chief executive officer of Rome. Because he won the Civil War. He won the Civil War because he had more money, (laughs) more troops at his disposal because he was one of the richest men in the Roman Empire. What do you mean, originator of God? He just appointed all the judges throughout the empire. Now, if you look at the presidency of the United States, which are, there are lots of different forms of government but that's the one that I grew up around so I'm more familiar with that although most people think they're familiar with it but the fact is the President of the United States is the Chief Executive Officer of Washington D.C. and the United States Federal Government which is supposed to be in Washington D.C. It is also the Commander-in-Chief of the military the emperor. It Morocco, or means commander in chief. That's the way it's defined in Collins' Latin Dictionary. And he's the appointer of all federal judges throughout the empire of the United States. You know, when all these foreigners refer to the imperial power of the United States, they're right. It's an imperial power. Now, You may be in an indirect democracy and maybe your grandfather or great-grandfather was in a republic, but you're in a democracy in a republic and your American creed said so. Did you know that there's a U.S. creed? I believe in the United States of America, a democracy in a republic the American creed. Of course it has a creed. It has have a creed. It's a religious institution. It's not just a republic where the government is something separate from the state. You know, And where the government is not the state. What is the state? In a republic, if the state is separate from the government. It's in the people, in the status of the people. They have authority. A lot of people think that a republic is an indirect democracy. It is not. A republic, the leaders are titular, and the state is still in the hands of the people. Where do governments begin? Did God institute government? Did God sign the Constitution? Did God ratify the Constitution? He let you do it. You know, you do all those signings. You institute government. God doesn't institute government. He allowed you to do that. But of course, he allowed the people to pick Saul. And when they picked Saul, that was called a rejection of God. So the institution of bad government, allowed by God, was a rejection of God. Now, in America, they've instituted state governments and federal governments. In Canada, they've instituted a government. And they continue to institute that government because every time they apply to it for benefits, it gets more power, more authority. Because if it's going to supply benefits, it has to be able to take more revenue to provide you with those benefits. It doesn't just print money out of air. Oh, actually, it does. (laughs) But it doesn't really because you're collateral for that money. When it prints it, it's taking, it's like a blood transfusion, at least the part where they take the blood out. Because it's taking your blood out, your sweat out, will have to pay off those loans, that borrowing, and your children, and your children's children. They don't want to get rid of the debt. The debt gives them power, makes you a slave, makes you a human resource. They can drain you dry. They're not going to worry about revolution. When you are drained absolutely dry as a society, as individuals, you'll be fighting to stay alive. You get enough food. You have no control over the food you get. the shelves empty out in the store, you're not going to be revolting. Oh, you might riot for a few days, but when the trucks don't come in, you're going to be hungry. You'll be all docile and lined up. What can I do, Massa? Give me some food. Because you're not organized. You're not self-reliant. You're not independent. You're weak. And, of course, that's the purpose of a socialist state, which the United States has been a socialist state for 150 years. It's just getting more and more socialist. It's kind of like getting the chickenpox. First you see a couple of spots, and you see lots of spots. <laughs> when you saw those first couple of spots, you had chickenpox. And when you saw schools, the by taxing your neighbors, you were in a socialist state. When you were providing a standing army by taxing the people, originally they, the taxes were excise and tariff taxes, and the people weren't. Doing. But once you start taxing the people, just to put your police, your fire department, all these things, you're a socialist state. Now, you can say, oh, well, that's good, we need a fire department, but you got it by socialism. That was your plan. Let's go back to Caesar. They were moving from this republic for several hundred years to this imperial state. There was talk of an emperor, commander-in-chief, under Caesar. There was even, go back to Pompeii, there were disputes for power. Although they were often fairly moral men, very... uh interested in justice and in rights. And I've told stories before about some of the things that Pompey did. Not that he was completely moral, but there was this moral character. He was just loose cannon. They had value. But when Augustus Caesar won against the opponents of Caesar, Augustus Caesar's real name was Octavius he was called Augustus and he took the title of Caesar which is really an author it's like Darius in the Bible the well Darius it's an author it you know, wasn't David he wasn't uh, yeah on his first certificate it didn't say Darius changed his name but he, his author. But Augustus was called the Savior of Rome. And people went out and hailed him and praised him when he came marching in with his chariot and his soldiers. Just like they praised Jesus Christ when he came marching into Jerusalem on a Jerusalem ass, Not on a chariot, not with soldiers, not with armies, but with followers, brothers, who would walk with him in his quest for the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That was his big political day. They hailed him, highest son of David. Highest son of David, rightful king, messiah, Christ, anointed, head of the government and immediately goes to what? The major government building. Begins to instruct the ministers of that government. He looks at the way in which they're collecting the tithes, the taxes. They were compulsory by then. There was still free will offerings. There were still free will offerings in the Roman temples. But they were supported by tax dollars as well. What were they doing in the Roman temples? It was the Bureau of Vital Statistics, Temple of Saturn. It was where they handed out the free bread. It's where they got the money to support the circuses, the entertainment. If you go into some churches, it's like a circus today. It's a lot of entertainment. got that big screen up there. They, can't, they can get you all emotionally charged while well, you get oh, that was a great service. It was entertainment. If you want service, you don't go to church. You know the government. Church is just there to make you feel good. You need help. You don't go to church. They did in the first century because they couldn't go to the temples of Rome. They couldn't go to the Roman temple that was built by Herod. They did go to the Jewish temple. And who did they go to overseas? The apostles and the ministers that were picked on Pentecost to provide them with their social welfare because they couldn't get social welfare anymore from the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees, they instituted a social welfare system that forced the contributions of the people. They had moved to a socialist state. They talk about Hellenizing Judea. They had moved to a socialist state where they compelled the offerings of the people and they provided benefits. But if you got the baptism of Jesus Christ instead of the baptism of Herod, which Herod was baptizing too, You couldn't get their benefits anymore. You had to get them somewhere else. And this is why we see almost immediately after Pentecost, the Greeks brought it up first. You're neglecting the widows and orphans. What? what? They're not visiting them? Because that's going to play an important part in order to understand religious ideology. Not about visiting Saying, hi, how are you doing? Did you get your Social Security check this week? Uh, great. Uh, well, have a nice day. Jesus loves you. And go away. Visiting them had to do with taking care of them. And you had to take care. wives, widows and orphans? Their families were gone. An orphan was anybody whose family was gone. It wasn't just you know, a little orphan in the street, you know. A baby in the basket, orphan. To someone who needed help and their family was gone. They didn't have enough family to help them out because that's where you normally go is to the family. And then to the friends. And then to the stones of the altar. The ministers. This is what they did in all those governments. That's what they were doing in Rome. Rome had his Corbin. For centuries, their Corbin was free will offering. When they built their temple, people would go down there, and when they were laying the foundation stones, they would throw gold, nuggets, not coins, but nuggets, into the dirt, and then set the stones on top of it. It was like a little bit of reserve money there. They would build gold statues called the Reserve Fund. You need to become depositories for wealth because they were the place you went for benefit. If there was need, if there was hunger, if there was famine, if there was shortages in your family, you needed help. If you were blinded, became sick and infirm, you would go to the temple and they would help you out because those temples were religious institutions. And originally in Rome, they were supported by free-will offerings, fine. Paul's own half-brother and his son were known for their philanthropic charitable granting of funds to build institutions that served the needs of the people. Actually, there's still an inscription way over in England of the uh, of the nephew of uh, and half brother of uh, Paul in the works that they did because they saw this need in society to do this charitable institution. This was so common that when Augustus Caesar marched into Rome, he was very philanthropic. He, of course, he could afford to because he not only defeated the enemies of his empire, the ones who wanted to return to the ways of the republic, that's who he defeated. He was, he confiscated all their wealth. He was extremely rich now. At one time, half the social welfare was supported out of the personal pocket of Augustus Caesar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Sr. Now, the rest of the money came from taxation. Rome was popular in taxing the provinces to support the cities, but eventually they even had to tax the cities because Has a comprehensive financial report, (laughs) which shows that a number of the emperors ran off with billions of dollars of the treasury. That was a big problem. You see different emperors as they come along and paying the debt. They were nothing like what we have today in the world. We're so far down their path to the decline and fall of the Roman Empire it's hardly—it's scary to even imagine. But what does this have to do with religious ideology? Well, we read the definition earlier on blog talk, but we'll read the definition again so that you understand what religious ideology really is. Now, this this concept of religious ideology is. Uh, It's got these two ideas in it, at least ideology and religion. And I was going to look here particularly, I see we're going to be coming up on a break here. And I didn't know. It. We should wait till after the break to get into this. But we'll go over it a little bit roughly. Uh, religious ideologies consist of the body of doctrines, myths, or beliefs, etc. In other words, it's not just because it's ideologies, it, it may be based on myths, Uh, and this doesn't always mean fairy tales, but ancient stories, uh, doctrines, teachings, uh, but it's a body of teachings, etc., and ideas, and stories that is the foundation of this religious ideology. But its purpose is so that it guides an individual, comma, social movement, comma, institution, comma, class, comma, or large group. So, religious ideology is these doctrines, or beliefs, or ideas that guide an individual or a social movement, or an institution, or a class, or a large group. Now, there's a religious ideology in Buddhism. If you study Buddha from a historical point of view, Buddha is referred to as a social reformer. He had a different plan. Now, when you see Buddhists today, you don't really see what Buddhism was all about. What Buddha was all about. Religions had gone so far away from the purposes of its originally original founders, or founder, if you want to go back to a particular one, Brahman, and they had diverted it into you know many different religious sects with different religious ideologies, which was simply men came along with ideas, and they said, believe this idea, believe this idea, believe this idea, and God will be happy with you. And they were seducing people to follow them rather than follow Christ. And I talked about this earlier. I don't want you following me. I want you following Christ. If a Christian is someone who is following Christ He's a Christian. If that's the way we define him, then that's a Christian. If you're following somebody else, you know, Bill so Graham, Schuler, Calvin, uh, White, uh, Brigham Young, you're following any of these people, you're not following Christ. And you can look at what those guys are doing and say, is that Christ? Is that Christ? You know, it's kind of like the guy looking under the stones and under everything. You're looking. You're seeking. This is the first commandment of Christ. seeking first the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God and His righteousness. So you're not supposed to be seeking anybody else's will, but God's will. You're not supposed to be following anybody else God, You can listen to other people, but you should walk with them, not behind them. You can hear better if you're right with them. They don't have to turn around and talk to you. (laughs) And this is really an important ideology, part of the plan, is that you're seeking Christ. You don't want to belong to a church. You want to belong to God. And it's very interesting, the structure of God's church is you don't belong to the church. You belong to God. But most churches want you to belong to them because they want to be your God. They want their ideology to be your ideology. Religious ideology really is only for the individual. And if it's Christ's religion, then it's Christ you follow and nobody else. That definition goes on to say, such a body of doctrine, myth, etc., same concept of this body of ideas and doctrine, teaching, with reference to some political or social plan. Buddha had a religious, but a political and social plan. Christ had a political and social plan. Moses had a political and social plan. And it's your job to find out what that plan was. And that's what we're going to talk about when we return to King of the kingdom after these words from our you.
1: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com Ladies and gentlemen,
2: the President of the United States in 1963.
3: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are as a people inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and its secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the president today.
4: You were both in skull and bones, the secret society.
5: It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? I've got a vision for what I want to do for the country. see, I know exactly where I want to lead. It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for
3: America? Now listen to me.
5: The Bible says, render
3: unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's.
2: Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have.
1: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559 781 3773. Now
0: listen to me. So, we're talking about religious ideology. Um uh, I may be on a radio program tonight. I should also let you know a guest on uh the Greg uh Saminsky show uh on Orion Park Radio. Uh at nine thirty Pacific time. Uh, please continue get... to hold.
4: Hello? Uh, hey. Hello,
0: Do we have a call?
4: I can I speak to Donald? Can I speak to Don and
0: uh, do you know who that is?
5: <laughs> no, I don't know who that sorry? is. I'm you don't know?
0: Kind of... Uh, you're, you're on a live radio talk show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to bother you. I'll take this number off our calling list. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Got <laughs> So, maybe we should give out the call and. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the radio show
5: call-in number, but okay.
0: Oh, you think that, that wasn't our line? Yeah,
5: I think that was First Amendment in Oregon's line, probably.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, our call-in number, uh, let's see now, wait a minute. Uh, I've got to get the right one here. Is that the five five nine seven two six one three zero zero? That's correct. Okay, so if you want to call in, I'll give that one more time. And then there's a code number afterwards. So you're going to need a pencil because you're not going to remember all these numbers unless you're a lot smarter than I. <laughs> I couldn't. 559-726-1300. Uh, five, five, and the code you'll need to type in is 795-132. Anyways, and then you'll have to push star six in order to notify us that you want to talk because you can actually call in with that number and just listen to the show. Um, Anyway, so we're back to religious ideology. Um, This uh, idea that religion is something you do on a weekend. It's the church. It's just a set of beliefs. It's what you think in your head. Is simply not the case. That's not what religion is, and we see in these definitions of uh, religion and religious ideology is that uh, it's this a uh, body of doctrines or ideas or myths or whatever it is that you use as a basis of belief with reference to some political and social plan. And again, now that civil war between Augustus and and the, uh, Mark Antony and uh, the supporters of uh, you know Caesar and those who were the opponents of Caesar, who was forming a central government instead of the republic, was uh, a battle over a plan over a social plan in order to live in the world as free men, as safe men, as secure men. And the emphasis on safe and secure changes the plan from emphasis on being free souls under God, like the commercial break as man was intended to be as a free soul under God. This is the kingdom of God. To be a free soul under God. It isn't a social welfare system in heaven when you die. Everybody thinks that when you die you go to heaven and everything you want is given to you. That's socialism. (laughs) Everything you want is given to you. You just have it you want anything you give it. There's an old uh, TV show, um, uh, either Outer Limits or Twilight Zone, or the guy, the gangster, dies and and, uh, anything he wants, he has. Money, women, booze, anything he wants, he has. After a couple of weeks, just, you know, he wants to win the cards, he wins the cards. He says, this is boring. I'm not happy. He said, I thought I was supposed to be happy. If I'm in heaven, and the guy who made the contact there, he says heaven. He said you were in heaven, <laughs> and he realizes he's actually in hell. And in hell, they give you everything you want, <laughs> and it becomes boring. <laughs> You're not happy anymore because that's hell. Heaven is not a social estate. I love the line in the movie Last Starfighter. I was going to mention movies and TV shows where he says, Our our parable basis, where the guy says, But we could be killed. He says, Don't think of us dying, think of us fighting evil in another dimension. That's what it's like, I think, when we die. Is you just go and do more of the same of what you're doing now. You're either fighting evil or you are evil. You're either the solution or the problem. Those are your choices. So your plan may be the problem, or your plan may be the solution. When Augustus came into Rome, they hailed him as Savior. Savior, Augustus. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, they hailed him as Messiah, Messiah, I have son of David, Savior, Psalter. But they had different plans, different ideologies, a different religious ideologies. And that's why that definition is so interesting in reference of some political or social plan. We get put in their political and social plans. Although people like to put political over in one place and social over in another place, the reality is is they're really overlapping because political simply is to do with poly people many <laughs> and social has to do with society, which is what people probably mean. So it's the same thing. It's just looking at it kind of from a different point of view. But in the definition, it goes on to say uh, a reference to some political social plan as that of fascism, as an example. Fascism. Forcing. Compelling police state. That's what we think of when we think of fascism. But it says along with the devices for putting it into operation. So your religious ideology has to do with your social plan, your people plan, to put some sort of system in place along with its devices to operate that system. That's what Christ was doing. That's what Augustus was doing. And as I said, Augustus's plan included that he would have an office where he appointed the judges from the top down who decide good and evil, right and wrong. He would be the chief executor and anybody he appointed, he would appoint men from above. This is what they talk about in Samuel A, He will appoint his officers over you, over your tens, hundreds, and thousands, instead of you being the state, appointing someone to be your minister to provide the service that you have the power. How do you see the, the plan when the power shifts from the individual, in his religious ideology, to the collective, or to the central authority, The church provided all the social welfare for Christians, and this was what you saw going on with, like I said, with men like Paul's half-brother, and his, his children. They were providing for the needs of the people to free will offerings. This is why we have Lady Godiva on the front of the free church report. Is because at that particular junction in time when kings were rising up, the bullion and William the Conqueror, etc., were rising up, they were impelling, compelling, forcing a tax on the people to support the church. To support the needy. and she said, "Don't, don't impose this tax." He says, "I won't impose this tax if you take your wealth off and put it to providing for the needs of the people." Because he was being compelled to, to apply that tax because he was the servant of the king. He was a Norman. She was actually Saxon, but her husband had died, and she had married this guy. And he wasn't a bad guy, but he was subject because he had taken oath of allegiance to kings. And she stripped off her wealth and ride to the Town naked. She stripped off her wealth, and she built hospitals and schools and monasteries because monasteries are where you've got the teachers to teach people higher education. The church for centuries was the center of education, welfare, health, medicine. Everything was centered in the church because that's where you went when you needed help. Now you just go there to feel good. Different plan. Not the plan of Christ. Not the plan of John the Baptist. And they asked, John, how does your system of welfare work? Because they knew how Herod's system, get baptized, have to pay in a small amount. At least small at the beginning. Like Social Security, small at the beginning. Now it's over 14%, which is more than you used to have to pay under Tsarist Russia as a peasant. And they had to pay 10%. In 14 Social Security alone, plus you got to pay income tax, plus you got to pay property tax, plus you got to pay sales tax, plus you got to pay gas tax. And everything you buy is more expensive because everything was taxed before it even got to the store. Huge revenue source. They built their golden temple. But in John the Baptist's scheme, until John the Baptist, everybody was doing it by force. That's what they're talking about there in the Bible. Until John the Baptist, everybody tried to establish the kingdom of heaven, your salvation, by force. Octavius did. Herod did. But John the Baptist and Jesus Christ did not. And there is the dividing line between God's government and the government you end up with when you reject God's government, that he should not reign over you, but give power to other men, whether it be Augustus Caesar or, or, Robert, uh, or John Kennedy or uh, Barack Obama or George W. Bush. Who is the Christian? A Christian, once you realize Jesus was preaching a government, that Abraham was organizing a government with his altars and free will offerings to take care of the needy of society, to be there for each other in time of need, or you go to the socialist state. It values the people as a human resource. You keep the stuff, Abraham. Give me the people. Because with the people, I can make them make me more stuff. And Abraham said, I'm not even going to touch this stuff. And I assume he didn't give the people back, but he did not make the people follow him. Because his altars, based on free will contributions, the way God intended you ought to be. There is a vast conspiracy, the conspiracy of the heart, to make you slaves, to turn you into merchandise, to make you human resources, and that conspiracy is by your neighbor. Are you going to be a part of that conspiracy and try to make your neighbor a human resource that you can have a health clinic nearby or that you can have a fire department or public schools or universal health care? It's all socialism. It's all coveting your neighbor's goods. Like the judge in the court, he says, you can have six of your commandments, The four of them got to go because they're religious, because they mention a God other than me, because I'm your God, God's many. And so now what's your plan? What's your religious ideology? Those temples were religious buildings in Rome, supported by tax dollars. The temple in Jerusalem was supported by tax dollars. He signed up. 78 B.C. it started. Herod expounded on that with his baptism, his vast social welfare system that he was putting into place, registering you. But the apostles weren't registered. They were idiotic, unregistered. They couldn't get those benefits. They had weighed their right to those benefits and become ministers of Christ. And they were dependent upon the free will contributions of the people after Pentecost to supply the widows and orphans of their society. But people have this need for a religious institution to make them feel good to justify them, rather than righteousness. And we need to go back to what Christ was doing, what that first century church was doing. Religious is pertaining to or concerned with religion, religious holidays. And it says as another definition, imbued with or exhibiting religion, pious, devout, godly, a religious man. This is the way they're defining the term religious. Member of a religious order or congregation. Sacred rites or observances. Well, it's our observance not to covet our neighbor's goods. In the religions of the world, that's okay. They already removed that commandment, and it's removed from most churches. It's okay to desire your neighbor's stuff, as long as you do it through the agency of the gods you have chosen for yourself, the governments you have chosen for yourself that have exercising authority, have judicial power over you. The government of God, you were judged. You decided fact and law. That's the way it was in early America in the courts. It isn't the way it is today. Your courts don't, your juries don't decide fact in law. They barely even get to decide the facts. There have been countless cases where the jury decided he was innocent and the judge overruled the jury. And they go, oh, can he do that? Well, I don't know. What's on TV tonight? They're not following Christ because Christ said, tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And Christians don't do that anymore. They say, oh, that's a job of government. Our job is to go to church and feel good and espouse ideologies that were given to us from the mountaintop by our guru our pastor, our minister. You're not following Christ. You're not even doing what Christ said. You're not tending to the weightier matters. You're out there trying to elect a Caesar of your choice. Your faith is in Caesar. If we just get this Caesar guy in, he would give us back our rights. If we get this Caesar guy in, he would give us more benefits. Sure, at the expense of our neighbors, but what are neighbors for? If you think of your neighbor as a resource, then you are a resource. As you judge, so shall you be judged. So what's the solution? Repent. Turn around. Actually start following what Jesus said. Start coveting your neighbor's good and start loving your neighbor. This is why the Bible talks about this idea of religion, pure religion, being visiting those widows and orphans, the needy of your society, and not just visiting. How are you? Did you get your social security check? But actually taking care of them, tending to them, unspotted by the world. And like we said before, four or five different words in the Greek that are translated into the single English word world, that one means constitutional order or system of government. I told that to a pastor, and he says, oh, no, we have to. We can't just make up definitions. We have to have a standard. That we go by. I says, okay, so what's your standard? He said, fares. Okay, so how does fairs define that word in the Greek? He says, I don't know. I have to look it up. I says, don't bother, because it says constitutional order or system of government. If you're taking care of the needy of your society... By the constitutional order or system of government, you're not doing what John the Baptist said. You're not doing what Jesus Christ said. You're not doing what Moses said. You're not doing what Abraham was doing. You're not a man of faith. You're a man of force. You're forcing your neighbor to contribute to the welfare of the media of your society. And busying them is just show. And you're an apostasy. You're a sinner. You need to repent. And stop pretending to follow Christ and actually follow him and do what he said. And tell me you believe in him but don't want to do what he said. How many parables did he have about that? Now, how are you going to do this? You are absolutely weak and crippled as a society. I'm saying arise and walk, and you're saying I can't even stand up. I'm afraid to stand up. I'm afraid to take care of one another. But when you have a need, you'll say, Ah! Help me! Like a fellow we had in the network, months and months and months went by. He didn't go and help an elderly woman when she needed help, but when he couldn't pay any rent, Help me! Help me! Help me! He had all kinds of time on his hands. He didn't go help that old lady do her chores. But so when you had a need, you know, what did that teacher say? Well, let me stop everything and work on your problem. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know if I got it right. But anyway, we're gonna be coming up on another break here. Anything going on in the chat room, Paul?
5: Um they're they're kind of quiet, you know, they're discussing amongst themselves. There is a question on the radio show that you're going to be on later, and I said there'd be an email coming out, unless you want to go into it further.
0: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to be on. I, I wrote him about 2.30 last night. He said, okay, he said I needed to let him know by <laughs> soon, today, and uh, so I sent out my email, yes, uh, so I got to get his response, yes, back, but We'll be sending out more information on that. uh, But anyway, we'll get into this in more depth when we come back and get out that number right after the break and some other announcements.
6: You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.
1: If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month and you'll receive an mp3 cd weekly of all the first amendment rights media group programs as a bonus we'll send you a password for our audio archives online that's a fifteen dollar value or you can request any month of any program on one mp3 cd for a minimum donation of only twenty dollars or any single program on tape mp3 cd or cd for only fifteen dollars You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, libertyradiolive.com. Welcome
0: back to Kings of the Kingdom. The number to call if you have a question is 559 726 1-3-0-0 that's 5-5-9 and then you have to type in 795-132, 795-132 and then push star 6 and we'll get your question on the air or you can going to ask a question in the chat room if you have a
5: question in the chat room so um uh, yeah, if you're in the chat room, put lots of question marks, and then I'll be able to identify it amongst the discussion.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're probably multitasking, listening and doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> you might say that. <laughs> I guess I'm just an uh, educated guess. Um, anyway, uh, we also have a Burning Bush Festival coming up uh this is our fall festival out here in Oregon, and if anybody wants to be a part of the planning of that, um, there's going to be a conference call tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, we'll also be on this afternoon on Freedomizer at 3 and uh, and possibly tonight at 9.30 on the Orion Talk Radio uh, as a guest. Uh, But if you're on the Living Network, if you're connected with us by email uh, or you join the Living Network and get connected with a contact minister, they can give you all that information the details if they're good contact ministers. If they're not, then you should get one that is. And that is the difference between God's government and the rest of the world, and the world government, is that in God's government you choose servants ministers who are public servants. And in the rest of the world, you pick men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. In God's kingdom, you can change your public servant any day, any time because you license him to be your minister. You give him permission to be your minister. If you don't think he's doing a good job, withdraw your permission. That is the only government where you're the state and they're the public servant. If you have any kind of government where your right to choose, you choose this man and then he chooses for you, and you can't change that, then you're not in God's government. Because God gave you your rights, he wants you to have your rights, and he has a way in which you can come together with other men, form a government, Plan a political and social plan where you remain free, and your ministers remain servants. Now they can quit their job anytime they want, and you can fire them anytime you want. So the power is in your hand, and you only have to pay them what you think is fair, and they are required by the king to mark paid in full. And if you don't give them enough resources to be health, education, and welfare for for you, then you get get the government you deserve. Now, if you elect men and give them the power to decide for you, compel the offerings of your neighbors, your offerings will be compelled as well, and you will find yourself in the bondage of Egypt, and you'll be whining and crying that, oh, woe is me. But that's because you didn't care about your neighbor as much as you cared about yourself. And so, therefore, you shall be under tribute because you were not diligent in the ways of God, which is to love your neighbor as yourself and not covet your neighbor's good. You have a question? Sure.
5: A question on the phone line. I'll let him on. Hello, you're on the air. You have a question. You're on the
0: air. Can you hear us?
5: Someone from Pennsylvania?
0: Uh, somebody in Pennsylvania called. You got a question? You're on the air. Do they have their mute
5: on? <laughs> I unmuted them. I can't even hear it. Hello. Breathe can you hear it. me oh. now? There we go.
0: Yeah, oh, we can hear you now.
5: Can you hear me now?
4: Oh, cool. Okay, I I'm, I'm from completely a year, but I'm moving to Carolina. I joined uh, your group uh, uh over 6 months ago and I'm glad you started talking about PCMs because I've found uh, that I'm having a problem with the nation or, uh it's a little frustrating. Now, I'm, I'm 69 years old. I've been a systems analyzer all my life and I can tell it it's a uh, uh like you say iron, uh I iron, Sharp and Zion, I was just hoping that they can give you some uh constructive criticism as far as the the, the page PCM and you about it it's it's a little flawed I think
0: uh you're talking about the uh way in which you elect a personal contact manager
5: well,
4: not you're the a way a the so I mean, the you know, act- yeah, well, not sort of the way, but the, the the system leaves a lot of me tired because it, it, it doesn't allow me to change my PCM. And I find I, I'm having problems doing that. And every time I get a web page to go up on it and to volunteer, it takes me back to the PCM uh, page. At six uh, months now, yeah. I haven't been Thank
0: able to you. do anything. Okay. Well, have you sent an emails to that particular group, the Pennsylvania group, and said that you wanted to change your PCM? Because I, I get every. I don't know
4: what the system is.
0: Well, do you, uh, if you've signed up on the Google group and you get the emails on the Google yes. group, all you have to yes. do is reply to that email and say that you want to pick a PCM. And he whoever it is that you want to pick or if you want to ask who is available in your area. Uh, I know several people that uh, would be, uh, uh, I think David Cothern on that group, uh, 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 Nissan is on that group, uh, and they can walk you through it and they can even do it. Now, we actually have another plan, uh, another software system that we're putting in place that will make it easier to change your PCM. But the only way this software allows us to change a PCM once you pick one is in the link that comes in the Living Network newsletter, which is described. But if you just post it. That's my point. Well, that that newsletter, once you get it, I've done that. Okay. Well, I'd
4: ask you what your name is, but
0: uh, we don't want to do that on the air. It's
4: all right. It's okay. I don't mind. It's wrong.
0: Uh, did he give the name? Because he's cracking. He's breaking, breaking up. up. I didn't hear it. Yeah, I didn't hear no, it.
4: No, I'm sorry. It's, it, it's Ray Morano.
0: Okay. Ray. Romano. Ray. R A Y. And the last name is Morano?
4: Spano. S E R R A N O.
0: Okay. Okay, Sean. Okay, Serrano. Yeah. Now, are you looking? No, at my Paul? You... Paul has a good access to the database. I could be looking it up, and no reason for both of us to be looking it up. But, uh, uh, uh yeah. the put in group. Has an email that that you get if you respond to that email. There are ministers on there who will see your question and answer it. They can actually well, go in and change the database. If you pick somebody else, well, the, th- the thing, thing is, is.
4: I'm, I'm not a member of the Pennsylvania group, I'm a member of East Carolina because I'm on, I'm, I'm basically oh, moving okay. right now.
0: Oh, that's right. You said you're a movie. Yes. Well, down there, yes, so. it's Michael Cronkite is probably the best choice. He's the most active right now. Uh, uh, and I just got an email from him this morning, but if you posted uh you can be on you can belong to several groups you just pick a contact minister on one group or the other uh, uh, and all the contact ministers are in connection with each other so they know if somebody's trying to elect more than one contact minister <laughs> which we've had some guys well, one guy well,
4: say, well yeah. my 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 suggestion to you is that, uh, for example, if you go on the PCM uh, page, you have contact ministers. They don't have their email addresses on there, or they have some information as that's not there. They should have their picture, their personal email, their telephone number, and at least a, a location of where, where they live. And then you should also have another. Page for uh, I guess one of these uh, people that want to be personal contact visitors, they would have that information on it because, like for example, if I volunteer, who's gonna who's gonna elect me? Nobody knows me.
0: Right. And My point? what the vo- if the, if, and, and we if do the, actually if, have those pages on the preparing you website and what we've set up, and and we're working on these and improving the situation all the time, and we understand that it's it's somewhat flawed. But the reality is is that we have those pages, and the ones in charge of those pages are the people. Anybody, because it's the wiki site that has those, it's got the Preparing You site, and we sent that link out, anybody can go on those pages and modify them. If they want to put their email there, they can put it. But the fact is, if you post to the Carolina group, everybody who's on the Carolina group, everybody who wants to be a contact minister on that group, will get that email, and you can say, you know, I'm going to be living in Northern Carolina or Southern Carolina, and you don't have to give your address or anything, and I'm looking for a contact minister that will cover that area, and they will get that email, and they will will contact you. If they're a full-fledged contact minister, they will see your email. They'll contact you privately. Uh, off the group and they can call you and they can give their number. I know that in, uh, the Carolina area, Mike Cronkite sends his telephone number all the time. And you can call him and, and he, and if somebody wants to be a contact minister on that, uh, Carolina, Florida, uh, group, uh, they should contact Cronkite and make sure that he has their phone number. When you start putting everybody's email and phone number out there on the net, people start getting it and you start getting spam <laughs> you know. Now we were gonna do some software that would protect that, but it, it hasn't happened right. yet. Of course we're always dealing with volunteer help. Nobody's paying us to do any of that. <laughs> we're
5: volunteers, uh,
0: we huh? Yeah, we're we're <laughs> extremely dependent on volunteers. <laughs> and all those volunteers are trying to but the system actually works if you email the group itself, just give them your first name, and they will email you back their telephone number. Once you connect it with guys like Cronkite, Michael Cronkite in the Carolina area, he can help get you in touch with other contact ministers in that area that are near or more willing to or doing a good job or not doing a good job, and you work it out. But... Uh, it's really important that everybody has to do their part. And I I agree that, uh, and we're actually working on making it so that uh, anybody can check who their contact minister is at any time. They don't need to get an email from us on the Living Network newsletter or anything. But all that takes some software time and and writing it up. Right, And it's... Go ahead. Yeah, the
4: the last time... um... I went to change my contact minister, and, and they were linked on, and I clicked on, and the whole information came up, and then I had to put in an email of the other contact minister that I was going to choose. Well, there was no email, I, so I was stuck right there.
0: I, right. I, says, oh, how right. Do I get the email?
4: Yes. Yeah. So that, I couldn't the, change.
0: Right, and uh, see that's why if you post to the group itself. Anyone who's a contact minister, he has access to see your email. The average guy on the internet can't see your email. He can post back to the whole group, but he doesn't see your email. And this is actually a protection. And you know, always, with protection, becomes a, an obstacle. But he can see your email. He can contact you privately so that you know you can exchange phone numbers. You can meet at coffee shops, etc and what we're we're dependent upon we don't do you know investigations so to speak of everybody who comes on the network but right. do interaction and each guy bearing witness we can say oh well this is a good guy he and this is a guy we can trust and this guy we don't know and this guy we do know and so your emails and your identity is not out there for any time they can hurry to pick it up but if you post to the group just first name only, say you want to get a contact minister, uh, he will get a hold of you and give you his phone number. And I have remember that Michael Cronkite has posted his phone number, and he's a contact minister on the Carolina group. He's posted his phone number almost every email. Yeah,
4: he's in... <laughs> he's in Florida. He's in Florida. Yeah. So yeah. You know,
0: I met him first time in the Carolinas, and... Uh, and he's met with some of the other people that are in the, those areas, and then he has contact. You know, he's he's a contact point, and you know we don't have a guy in every state yet. Uh, we have another guy up in Tennessee. We have another guy. We have a guy in uh, uh, Charlotte. Uh, well, that,
4: that's my point. I, I volunteered. I put in a a, a um, an email for the group and it wasn't even acknowledged that anybody saw her so what do i send, do now
0: send another email to that carolina group uh-huh. i'll see it and uh because you made this call i'll be looking for uh ray and okay. uh, i'll make sure that somebody responds to it uh, like i say i'm on all the groups but i skim a lot of email <laughs> I can't read it all. I get uh, right, thousand a day, <laughs> so but um, this is this is a problem because of the fact that it's hard to find. We've had a number of contact ministers. We actually have a couple now that actually openly say they don't read all the emails. Uh, they're not in your area. They're actually up in New Jersey, and and uh, we can't have that. We gotta have if a guy's gonna volunteer to be a contact minister. Now, were you volunteering to be a contact minister? Well, yes. Uh, Okay. Okay. Because we should get your uh, your name up on the volunteer page. Yeah. Well.
4: Well, I I I put everything up there on that email. I put my name, more or less, where I live, the area, phone number, picture, and. I didn't even get a, didn't even get an acknowledgement. Oh, nice to you, or or anything. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds over.
0: suspicious because uh, it, I, it, you know, I don't even have a recollection of seeing it. I wonder if it actually went through. <laughs> but you send it again, and of course okay. you can send send uh, and, and if you don't get a response by the end of the day, uh, send me an email personally at uh, Gregory at dot org.
5: Uh, okay.
0: Tell me your race, so I know who we're talking about, and uh, and we will get you hooked up.
5: So. Uh, and in as okay. far and as far as uh, you're having problems with the the contact minister form for choosing your own contact minister because you didn't have an email, that all that email does is helps us figure out uh, who you're trying to to uh, elect because <coughs> say there's two jobs. It
4: doesn't go through. It no, go no. through unless I and out. Well, gee,
5: I think maybe you can just enter don't know or something like that. But it just helps us well, with Okay. John Smith there. You know, which John Smith are you talking about? And we don't have that problem okay. right now. But if there were duplicates, it might be hard to determine. Uh, yeah, it makes our job easier
0: because yeah. you already know the email. But we can get... Yeah, you know, that's it. we have to work as a team, and and we are working on improving the system, but all that takes time. It's, it's, yeah. it's a joke. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs>
6: Unfortunately, I don't.
0: We well, really yeah. have that. much time. That's that's true. Uh, uh, but uh, like I say, it's a joke around here. With uh, well, I'll get that done in my spare time. You know. Uh, spare time we don't have a lot of. You have a lot of dedicated workers, but it's a big darn
5: country. <laughs> uh, yeah, very big.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got to bed at two forty five last night was up at the crack of dawn this morning. It was five forty five when I woke up. <laughs> but uh
5: I'm glad you attention anyway, brought us to, brought it to our attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. and uh, we'll get you hooked up by the end of the day if uh, I can do anything about it.
4: Okay, thank <laughs> you much.
0: Thanks for the call, Ray.
4: Good Nice talking
5: to you.
0: You bet. God bless.
5: God bless. There's a so, couple questions um, in the chat room, too.
0: You have questions? Okay, what's that?
5: Uh, one is, Gregory, is posting a picture of oneself online an absolute requirement of being a PCM?
0: Yeah, you got a question? <laughs> that is a question. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, yeah. Uh, a personal contact minister is someone who is sticking their head out, so to speak. Uh, they are a contact points, you know, uh, and it, it shows an element of trust. There's only two things that you know we require to to. Uh, from Directly from the individual, is that they give us a picture and a blurb about why they want to be on there, and we post that up. Some people's idea of a blurb is, you know, like three, four paragraphs. Uh, other people's, like, one line. But, uh, and we haven't been very. Sh- Statement as to why you want to be a contact minister, why you're here, why you're volunteering, and a picture. And uh, obviously, we have to have email contact and stuff because most of that's done online as far as the internet is concerned. Contact, uh, a, a minister of record wouldn't necessarily have to have email, but he has to have two people elect him. Contact minister usually has to have two people elect him. Uh, he could have another contact minister sponsor him, and then we only require one other witness. It's all biblically based, two or more witnesses. But, yeah, we've required that picture. Uh, I have no inclination of making an exception to that, but it shows me that you're willing to stick your head up and become that contact point. Now, once a person's elected and is on the group as a contact minister, there's a list of things that are expected of them. He needs to show an effort to connect with all the other contact ministers. And not just with the people that have elected him. Because then he, it's, it's like a, a short circuit. He's not connected with the rest of the network. Uh, it's, it's like he, all the knots are tied over here, but he's not connected to the whole net. He's, he's leaving a gaping hole in the net. So what we're doing requires those few things. Now, I'm curious as to what's the objection to having your picture up there and still wanting to be a contact point.
5: Uh yeah, I don't know if there's an objection, it was just a question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's evidence to us that you're serious. It's not it's not complete evidence, uh, but it gives us something to start with. And like I say once you become a contact minister, you know, I'm gonna be taking at least one, maybe a couple people down as contact ministers. I'm not gonna hold them up as contact ministers. I'm not going to unelect them, but I'm not going to take the time to put them up and say this person's a good contact point when he's not doing anything to be that contact point. When he you know, he doesn't answer emails like we just saw with Ray, uh, he doesn't respond. Now, I'm curious about that because uh, I don't remember Ray's email, but it may have been a while ago.
5: Yeah, we can look in the archives too.
0: Yeah, oh yeah. But it doesn't matter. The point is today we we want to get him connected up with somebody, I guess at least in the Carolina
5: area. And he's in the chat room, too, and he's talking with someone in Tennessee, and he said he'll respond, so it's good communication.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm wondering if that's uh, the guy I know in Tennessee. Uh,
5: Dave is his name. Yeah, okay, yeah,
0: I think that's who I know in Tennessee. You know, Matt, I, can't, he, I saw he had volunteered, but then he kind of disappeared for a while. Uh, was it him who asked about the picture, or was that somebody yes. else? Yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I'm beginning to put pieces of the puzzle together.
5: <laughs> I these puzzles will come assembled sometimes, you know.
0: He's got a beard. You can't hardly recognize him. <laughs> It uh, doesn't have to be a really good picture, but we, I mean, like uh, Nitzan's first picture, you couldn't hardly make out who you were. But uh, it looked deep in contemplation, that, that picture of Nitzan. So we haven't been real picky about the pictures, but
5: uh, someone it
0: shows ch- us that you're serious.
5: Someone you else know, in the said. chat room mentions they had the same problem as Ray changing contact ministers, so I guess we're going to have to redirect some effort at that new program.
0: Right, yeah, and I, you, you, our conversation this morning, before the show started, was, how are you doing,
5: busy?" <laughs> That's fair, thanks.
0: Yeah, Paul happens to be our, our software guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the radio technician <laughs> and a whole lot of other things, so...
5: There's another uh, question in the chat room, and this one will take a little more time. I see we're coming up on a break, but we can start... Or I can bring it up to you anyway. It says, uh, "Yeah, bring it up." Can you elaborate more? Just scroll away. Can you elaborate more on where you go? What happens when you die? (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
0: Well, uh, first they bury you before you start to stink. (laughs) You know, the fact is, is people always want to know those kinds of questions, and I understand that. And there's almost nothing in the Bible about where you go when you die. Most of the eschatologies that we have about life after death are conjecture. They're put together from vague references. Uh, and, you know, in the book Covenants of the Gods, I have uh, chapter Heaven versus Heaven. Because we have created uh, a huge ideology around what we think heaven is like, and we talked a little bit about that and I probably would spawn the question is, what is heaven? What, where do you go? What what goes on? Uh, you know, And I don't want to create all kinds of religious philosophies around that, and so I usually avoid that <laughs> doctrine, but we'll talk a little bit about it uh, today. Uh, but what do you think happens Why is it important? Uh, One of the big things in the Bible is, Though he may slay me, I shall serve him. Choose this day whom you will serve. Uh, Are we doing it because of reward? Are we just mercenaries working for Christ, working for the Lord? Or are we doing it because we love him? We have to do it because we love him. I understand the curiosity, but it's a very uh, dangerous line when we go from curiosity to motivation, uh, uh, I, I'm I figuring whatever I imagine heaven is going to be like, hey, I'm not going to be accurate because there really just isn't that much information about what heaven looks like. I mean, there's a lot of people who have their near-death experiences and come back and tell you what they saw. and but. Are we following them or are we following our hearts? We're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We know it doesn't come through observation. We know that it's not for the dead but for the living. We know that it requires us to do something. But we also know that no matter how much we do, we can't do enough to earn that salvation. It's a gift. But still... There are parameters in this life. The kingdom of heaven, one thing I know, it's in the moment, whatever moment you're in. And that's that's where it's at. It's not, you know, Jesus said, I will not eat again with you until I eat with you in the kingdom. After the resurrection, there's several references in the Bible about Jesus eating and drinking with the apostles, so he must have been in the kingdom. What was the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven, right there on earth, eating and drinking, fish and bread and wine in the kingdom. So exactly what's going to happen after you die? I don't know. It's uh, I tell you what. Come to the Bernie Bush festival. It sounds like it's campfire talk. <laughs> Because I don't want to create an eschatology that might not be true. But anyway, we'll talk more about that when we return.
1: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com
2: The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions. Embrace the little known. The greatest prophecy given by the great high priest. The once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation, deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America in prophecy Exposed for all to see You must see it The mark of the beast No, it's not a biochip implant A much better and more secure technology Is already here And you are already using it We will bonus you with a free copy Of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work The Inquisition When you send a support donation of $20 To First Amendment Radio Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation, a $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD.
3: If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South.
2: Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free?
0: Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we were talking a little about where do you go when you die? Well, I thought we weren't supposed to die. <laughs> we all face death, uh, but we're supposed to live. God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And again, like I say, this gets into the campfire talk, and the reason why is because people are so obsessed. It's kind of that prophecy thing I talked about earlier. They want to know the future. Uh, Faith is in the moment. You do what you do because you have faith in the moment. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And I really have to opt out on the side of Jesus on that. That's why Jesus doesn't tell us hardly anything about where we go when we die. He talks about this vague heaven thing, and it's the same word, oranos, that can actually be translated world, according to Greek scholars. When he's saying kingdom of heaven, he's actually saying kingdom of the world. Uh, And, of course, if you're talking kingdom, we're talking dominion. So we can say dominion of the world. Jesus Christ came preaching the dominion of the world. And what the governments of the world want, different worlds, not the planet, the government of the world, constitutional order or system, the government world, different word, uh, they want to be the king of the world, planet, not constitutional order or system. They want a planet, they want a one world government. In order to get that, you have to waive your right to dominion. And if your parents waive your right to dominion, it's waived. You're in the bondage of Egypt. And that's what's happened. But we can still get out of that bondage, but we have to step out of their boat onto the water and walk in the direction of the rock, the dry land of Christ. And that's what it's really all about. If you do that, Tomorrow will take care of itself. If you do that, you will have the faith needed to survive death itself because you will be giving up your life so that you may have life more abundant. And that's really what heaven is, life more abundant, instead of life less abundant, which is what we're now experiencing. The decline and fall of the new world empire is simply the symptom of the, our rejection of God. The rise of that world empire is a symptom of our rejection of God, our rejection of the responsibilities and rights that God has granted us. That's where our focus needs to be, and tomorrow will take care of itself. So with that unless there's another question in the chat room. Uh, we'll go on to uh, talking about this idea of religion because of so many people I've come across this week that are just absolutely, you mentioned religion, and they're all upset. And, of course, if you say anything against the religion, uh, religion of today, I guess it's Muslim religion, say anything against the Muslims, then there's some kind of a... Uh, racist or hate, or oh, Jews, if you, say, if you say anything against the Jews. Uh, oh, you're anti-Semitic. Uh, you can't criticize their religious practices or you'll be anti-Semitic. Now, it's interesting that everybody thinks of, actually, somebody's been writing me talking about they're going to go to Israel because they see this, this great calamity coming and all this kind of stuff. Um... Uh, and they're worried about tomorrow again instead of just living in the moment where the kingdom's at. And they're... I uh, they think that over there is Israel because it has the name Israel. Well, according to Moses, if they're following Moses, not following Jesus Christ, they say they're not Messianic Jews, they're just Jews. And, they're, and I don't want to clump all these people together because I'm sure there are uh, people not far from the kingdom there. Still today, as it wasn't, there were people who were even Pharisees at the time of Christ who were not far from the kingdom. So the kingdom values are different than these religious organizations that you create that are top-down. And if we have time, we'll get into some of the quotes on religion that we see in the Bible, but uh, they're supposed to have just weights and measures. they got iron coins. They're not supposed to charge usury. they got usury everywhere. they got excise taxes everywhere. Heavy, progressive excise tax on labor. Is a man not worthy of his hire? Uh, Do not muzzle the ox? They do all those. Those are all violations of the Mosaic laws and statutes. And they do them pervasively throughout the country. But it's government. It's not religion. But the fact is government is religion, and religion is government. The religion of God is government. And this sounds like a great opportunity to get into those few places where the word religion shows up in the Bible. we got Acts six five, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Pharisees were full of creating all kinds of Rituals and you know, do this. You know, you go to a Catholic church, which I've been in many of them. You got to genuflect, you got to do the sign of the cross, you got to dip your fingers in the hole. You know, say your prayers are all pre memorized. Uh, very ritualistic. Um, part of the the, the congregation are in love with persecution and suffering, part of that passion thing. That's a you see the movie Passion, very Catholic vision of the death of Christ, uh, kind of mesmerized by suffering and passion. Uh, and the Pharisees were very similar to that in many ways, although there were many different groups of Pharisees. But they were very strict with all kinds of rules, walking, putting shoes on. They, they got invaded every aspect of life with some sort of rule or statute or doctrine. And he was a member of that. And it's, it's really amazing that he did a 180-degree turnaround when he became a follower of Christ. And he saw how foolish all that was, and he gave that example. But so he's talking about religion in a bad sense I was a member of this absolutely strict religious uh, group. And, and he's using the word uh, "treskia," which uh, is, uh, has to do with external uh, ceremonies in the definition. You'll see that religious worship, especially external, that which consists of ceremonies. Jesus talked about it, white as sepulchres outside white all nice pretty inside full of dead men's bones uh, that's what that kind of religion does and so this is the derogatory thing of the religion all this outside show you know your big crystal cathedrals etc but inside full of dead men's bones because you're not doing the will of the father in Colossians 218 let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worship. Your reward in a voluntary humility and worship. And that word, worshiping, is um, is the word that they translate up there in Acts, religious. Of angels introducing into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. He's talking about being puffed up again, that white is sepulchre, being puffed up in your mind, being, you know, uh, this false humility, false worshipping. This is what you see, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What power? Humanity. They're denying that Jesus Christ preached a government, an authority, that did not exercise authority over you, but protected you from other governments, because it said, you don't need to go to them and sign no covenants with them that bring you back into the bondage of Egypt. We will provide for you as you give us the means to faith, hope, and charity. Two governments, one by force, one by love. Simple. Not complicated. But then we read in James one twenty six: If any man amongst you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. It's what the religions of the world have done. They, they're deceiving themselves into thinking that they're following Christ with their religious ideologies, and they're actually doing the exact opposite. They are delivering into the bondage of Egypt because they are not providing them with health, education, and welfare through free will offerings. They are forcing them in their hour of need to go to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, we will sell ourselves to you, give our labor to you, give our children to you, and you will be our soccer, our savior, our protector. Even though we know that the, you will give us nothing except what you take away from our neighbor, we want your benefit. And what should have been for your welfare has become your snare. So saith David, so saith Paul. Pure religion and undefiled, and undefiled before God. Religion undefiled before God. And the Father is this. He visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. Visit. What word is that? It's actually two words. Epiketome. And it actually, uh, the, the word that it comes from is uh, scopus, which means mark, uh, observer or watchman. But uh, you're not just to go and visit those whales. You're supposed to be taking care of them, to look after them. To inspect, examine with your eyes in order to see how he is. To to go see one, the poor and afflicted, and the sick, looking upon in order to help or to benefit. I'm reading the definition of the word, but they don't. They think the only help they have to do is did you get your social security check? Did you get your welfare check? You know, is it, is it enough? Has it got everything? Maybe I'll bring you a card. Bring you flowers. The church was the social welfare of the people because the church was the only government that operated by faith, open charity. It was the only Corbin that made the word of God to effect because the Corbin of the Pharisees was not based on love but based on force. Until John the Baptist, they were all doing this. And again, they're all doing it again. And the church didn't do anything about it. Somebody said there are 38,000 versions. There's only one version. Everything else is a lie. What is the definition of a lie? Not completely true. All these churches tell you bits and pieces of the puzzle, but they don't tell you the whole story. The whole story is you are to be the health, education, and welfare to free will offerings for everybody within your society. That is to be your religious ideology. Unspotted from the world. The word world there means constitutional order or system of government. The word unspotted appearing only once in the Bible, without spot, they say. Spotless. It's a metaphor. Free from censure. Irreproachable. Free from vice and unsullied. Unsullied of the world. What world is that? Here it is ask an apt and harmonious arrangement for constitution, order, government. You're not to be taking care of the needy of your society by any benefactor who exercises authority one over the other. Christ said that. All these churches say, oh, no, that's okay, as long as you do it through government, because Jesus only came preaching the religion of heaven on earth, not the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus wasn't in all power, just in religious power. But his kingdom has been postponed because God didn't know that the Jews wouldn't accept him. I've heard that as You know, got off guard. Because the Jews didn't accept him. The kingdom was postponed. What are you talking about? All the apostles accepted him. They got the baptism of Christ and were cast out of the social welfare system of the Pharisees. They accepted him. All those people who got baptized at Pentecost were cast out of the social welfare system of the Pharisees. When they went to the government buildings, now they had to go to who? The apostles and the ministers they chose from the bottom up. That word religion, theia, in the uh, in the Greek text, it comes. They suspect it comes from uh, Troia, uh which actually is translated three times. Appears three times in the Bible. Translated trouble every single time. (laughs) But it actually comes from a word, cry aloud, make a noise. It has to do with being frightened, to be troubled in mind, frightened, alarmed. Drachea. Your religion. Where do you go when you're alarmed? Where do you go when there's trouble? Do you go to church? Or do you go to the Social Security office? Welfare office? Unemployment office? Those are your priests. That is your religion. That's your plan. Your plan is to take away from your neighbors so that you will be saved. That's your plan. That's what socialism is. Almost everybody that I run across that is really diametrically opposed to religion, almost religiously opposed to religion, is a socialist be down there social socialist. Now there are some that are more conservative but really are they opposed to religion or are they opposed to hypocrisy? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The fact is all societies need religion but they need religion in the sense of a way in which to take care of the truly needy of society. And the needy is not the stand, synonymous with the lazy. The needy means those people who are simply falling on hard times? Got hit by a truck, a bus, fell off a ladder. I smashed my fingers several times this week. I got several fingers that are absolutely black and blue. I'm going to lose the nail off. A couple of them just partially. Um, I piled up rocks around a cistern uh, to protect it and hold the dirt around it so that it wouldn't freeze during the winter. And, uh, couple of them rocks were really big and i ended up smashing one and then on another day smashed another one and now even to type it <laughs>
5: good thing you got 10
0: <laughs> i'm still using it for typing but i i angled my fingers a little <laughs> but uh yeah the the second one uh i smashed i really did a job on that it was a really big rock but day just shifting around and I'm up on the sand and working till almost dark (laughs) but uh, so uh, but uh, I don't know why I jumped off on that all of a sudden. but uh, I had a few religious comments when I did that no I actually laid down and said oh my gosh I I thank God for the pain (laughs) but I don't know the, the nails are still on there but they're not working as good but anyway uh a few more announcements uh we have the burning bush festival coming up and there will be a call tomorrow morning seven o'clock pacific time i think like 10 o'clock eastern time for those who want to talk about some of the ideas i know that some people are mulling around the idea of not inviting general public because we don't have much facilities. We can we can put more facilities together. We got lots of room, and uh, we can put together more things. Maybe we might. Uh, we can still put on seminars and stuff during the week. Have uh, my idea is to have uh, on the weekend have a number of little talks and stuff on different things, and then during the week have like a uh, uh, what we call it, a training. Uh, session on some of these different skills and and opportunities. Um, Scott wants to put together work crews, Um, we're going to see what we can do, but we want to put together as much as possible to show potential and offer services to people. Uh, It's really important that uh, we put on a good example somewhere so that we can start duplicating this in other places. Like Ray says, there may not be a lot of time left. There's always say there's just enough time, but there's no time to waste. And uh, the fact is there are already people, if we had been seeking the kingdom and and his righteousness, we wouldn't have had millions and millions of people lose their homes in the last 10 years in these economic recessions. We wouldn't have people under a heavy weight of mortgages. We wouldn't have people uh, absolutely dependent upon uh, the Safeways and Albertsons of the world. uh, They would have formed a network of CSAs, uh, Community Supported Agriculture, and be getting better, healthier foods, uh, better diets, and that work that promotes health in every aspect of your life. We could have all those things in place if the church was doing what it was really meant to do. If it was pure religion, that was the center of its attention, instead of its gathering members and and developing superstitious eschatologies of fear. Uh, We should not be operating from fear. We are not afraid of what's going to happen after we die. You might be curious, but our motivation has to be righteousness. Seeking first the right to be ruled by God and the righteousness of God. Stop coveting your neighbor's good. Stop taking away from them so that you can be safe. Start caring about their lives as much as you care about your own. And realize that, you know, if religion is what we see out there posing as religion then I'm opposed to religion too. But if pure religion is doing what pure religion was meant to do, taking care of the needy and those that need help, I mean, what was the first miracle? Christ asked before He performed that miracle, which literally wasn't a miracle, it was natural for Christ. It'd be natural for you. Cashing out demons, that's not a big deal. Have you had the Holy Spirit on your side? You know, but we don't believe by miracles. We believe because we know this makes sense. This is what we should be doing. We should be taking care of But the question was, do you believe? And the man said, yes, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And that's what we should be doing for each other, as gathering together and helping each other with unbelief. But it takes a dedicated soul. It takes the, the only one apostle stepped out of the boat when Jesus put out his hand. Only one. Now, can you, you know, some people say, oh, I don't believe that he walked on water. but well, okay. Do you believe that he cared about other people as much as he cared about himself? Do you believe that that will produce a healthier society if you care about others as much as you care about yourself? If you want to tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, let's start there. We'll deal with your unbelief later. So let's gather together we'll see on the network. And I can see you find your house. You thank Thanks, Paul, for being there.
4: Thanks, Tigger.